This is Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Streaming nationwide on the 710 Sports app and 710sports.com. Now here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Time to put on the show. It is Danny and Gallant. The Mariners dig their way out of a seven-run deficit with an incredibly thrilling game. Incredibly important game. We will get back to that. We do have some NFL news to to get to, starting with the fact that Aaron Rodgers has been photographed at Lambeau Field. And I'm not, I'm too old to know what's cool, Paul. I'm too old to know what's cool. And the sunglasses that Aaron Rodgers is wearing, I think, look really goofy. But I realize that I'm too old to know what's cool. He's not that much younger than me, though. He's really, he's not that much younger than me. So I don't know if he knows what's cool either. Let's bring in Brock Heward to see what he thinks about the Green Bay quarterback. It's Blue 42. Here we go. This is Blue 42. We're going to go red, right, tight, close, sprint left, GU corner, halfback, flat, on two. Ready? Right. Now here's your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Blue 42! Blue 42! Good morning, Brock. How are you now? Good morning, Polly. I'm... I'm doing well, and yeah, Danny, I know exactly what you're speaking about. I'm looking at the picture of Aaron Rodgers, and those sunglasses have a name. Somebody on the text machine may be able to tell you. Titus has told me. We've looked at them before. I think they're hideous. They remind me they're of my awful. late. They remind me of my late grandmother's glasses when she used to um, get Blue her blockers. eyes dilated. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. And you had to. Yeah. I mean, they're just they're enormous, rectangular, dumb. But it is the thing. It's what the cool kids are doing, and he's too old, though. Cool kid. No, he's not. No, he's thirty-eight. He's got hair like you too. He's got his little bun. He can put his hair up. Exactly. He's moving towards sensitive, sensitive long hair ponytail guy. Sensitive long hair ponytail guy does not wear the enlarged Oakley blades. Loves to surf. Loves the Hawaiian Islands. Exactly. That that that. You two are basically the same, Danny. No, because I at least have I wear age appropriate sunglasses. He's really he's more in more of a Maui gym phase or like a Ray Ban Wayfarer sunglass mm. phase of his life. I like his postmodern Hawaiian look. Honestly, I, I feel like it, it it deserves a little bit of credit. Brock, before we ask you about Aaron Rodgers and his stare down with Green Bay, I was curious if you had any thoughts on the Mariners' comeback victory last oh, night. How sweet was that? Awesome. I mean, are you kidding me? Down what six zero in the first? You're like ah oh, crumb. You know, crap. Here we go. Yeah. Golly. Just, you know, you don't want to lose the first one. You don't want to burn through your bullpen that's already been taxed. And, you know, the young kid, Doug, gave you four innings. And then the rest of the bullpen gives up one the rest of the day. You chip away. Here's a here's a, a double, run-clearing double. You know, bases loaded. Here's a three-run blast from Kyle. And he kind of... It's kind of felt a turn. I, you know, I tweeted the other night that this, this team is many things. It is flawed, as most teams are. It's not perfect. And, Danny, I know I could see maybe a little smile on your face as I say this because it's hard to define and quantify in baseball. But you just get a sense that these guys just enjoy one another. You, it, it turned last year. You started to feel that in a shortened season that these guys just genuinely enjoy playing together. You know, you go to some games. You just kind of watch them interact you know, I didn't get the benefit of spring training this year, and I don't even know if it started there because there were so many new faces. But just as a as a amateur psychologist, as a as a guy that loves team building, that watches that as closely, listens for it when I'm around coaches and teams as much as anything, 
man, these guys just feel like they genuinely enjoy playing and playing for one another and picking each other up. And yeah, last night was an incredible example of that. Let's shift back to talking about Aaron Rodgers. Let's Rogers. not. Let's just keep talking Mariners We're baseball. We're going to keep going on Mariners Nine baseball. Nine games above 500. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> you know, is, is there ever a point that you can remember where you were playing for a team that all of a sudden found itself in just absolutely terrible situations, and yet, inexplicably, you felt like you were able to get back into a game? I don't know about terrible situations, Paul, but I certainly was on some teams that you could feel feel it turn and feel your, you know, I hate to use that word identity because it's overplayed in sports, but, you know, my 1996 Husky football team that welcomed in Corey Dillon from about three different junior colleges and no one knew if he'd be eligible. And we already had Rashawn Cheehy, as Danny remembers, and a bunch of, a bunch of pros, but you know, new coordinator. How's all this thing going to sort itself out? And as that year went along, we called it the elephant walk. Here's what we are, and you're not going to stop it, right? We're just going to slug you out. We're going to knock you out. We're going to just punch you in the face, and then we'll take some shots. Run, run, shot. Run, 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 shot. And that became our identity. And I think we rolled off like eight or nine wins in a row. And and you do start to you start to feel it. On the flip side, my rookie year in Seattle, we were eight and two. And that was a team of a bunch of overcomers. Reminds me of these Mariners, frankly. Mike Holmgren's first year, a bunch of different parts. Everybody's on notice. Who's going to be a part of this team long term? Eight and two. A guy named Joey Calloway was holding out. And then Joey came back, and it just totally turns the season, the tide, the temperature. And we went one and five down the stretch. And, you know, trying to force feed him the ball. And we're going to do this. And we got to get Joey's touches. And he's unbelievably explosive. And it... You know, our role players that had bought into it, they were sacrificed, and it was for the worst for the team. So, yeah, I've certainly seen those dynamics. I don't – I mean, this Mariners team, what was that, the second biggest comeback, right, since 2016, I remember. That one against the Padres down 12-2. They came all the way back. Ooh. Five years since a comeback of that nature, pretty impressive. It is incredible. Brock, which did you like more? Did you like Dylan Moore's home run? Or Scott Service screaming at the other team's pitcher? Probably the latter. That's the fifth Grand Slam for the Mariners. Shed Long had one of the most dramatic, right, on Father's Day. Mitch has had a couple or, you know, had a big one. Yes, so we've had some Grand Salamis. We don't see see Dad. Dad, when Dad gets service, has totally got a dad face. Yes. He's got a dad. Profaned, to profane dad. Like and if he angry, hears this, he's going to be mad at me, right? Because he's like, I'm not just a dad. No, you're not. But man, when angry dad comes out, like angry elf, say that one more time. I dare you to say it one more time. Angry, just angry dad came out and let loose. He told him to get the front door out of here. <laughs> Titus and, called and, me angry elf the a, other night, by the way. I and got they grumpy. gave him a dismissive, a dismissive yes. hand gesture. Oh, yes. I loved it. I took I a melatonin it. the other night, trying to get some trying to get some rest, fighting a little something, and I ah, kind of plowed through the melatonin, and then I got grumpy. And Titus did. He called me grumpy. You're like a grumpy elf right now. Grumpy dad. <laughs> grumpy dad. <laughs> That's awesome. did, you, did you just wear it? Or did yeah, you get, Molly did said, you get just, grumpy at it? Just go to bed. Just go to bed. I'm like, all right. I think that's a good idea for everybody. Good night. Uh, question two. Do you think Aaron Rodgers won his stare down with Green Bay? Yes. 
I do. I didn't. I didn't think this was going to happen. I said that to you guys. I was pretty adamant about it, and I think a lot of folks were that he was done. He's not going to play another down. I even cited. I guess this is paternal day because I even cited mom that he holds a grudge against mom, right, and family, and like you know, you do that, you're willing to do that and carry that kind of grudge. What is a what is a general manager in a professional team? But I think he realized, man, I got I got very little leverage here. Got three years remaining on my deal, 21, 22, 23. While I may be the Jeopardy host, we're talking lots and lots and lots of generational money, even though he's made a ton. But, you know, at 38, you also realize there's not many other jobs and professions in my life. Am I going to make 20 million bucks? I think he really genuinely loves Devontae Adams and some of his teammates uh, and, and enjoys those guys. And it's straight as he put on Instagram, last dance. You know, screw the GM, don't care about the coach. He loves his OC now. Nathaniel Hackett's his boy, right? So you kind of take two or three in there. Left tackle, wide receiver, offensive coordinator. He's got enough allies. He's got enough folks in the office that he will rally around. But, yeah, this is no question the last dance. And if we know anything about Aaron Rodgers, he's going to love it. He's going to love that portrayal. He's going to just give it to the GM and that organization like Jordan did at every turn when he could yep. and get ready for some fireworks. Yeah. Though there get will be popcorn no popcorn ready, Paul. Get your popcorn ready, Polly. The popcorn is ready. There will be no sympathy because uh, Richie Rich rebelling against his parents. The idea of that is just ludicrous to me, and that's, what I think, what Aaron Rodgers is doing here. I, and it I, worked for Jordan. It worked for Jordan in Chicago. Now there were lots and lots and lots of championships and – he was, without question, the, the greatest basketball player in the world at that point. I'm curious how this affects the fans. Mm. Is this just you know complete and total, hey, I watched Brett burn it down. I'm not going to do that. right? Yes, there's been reparations, but it's still never the same. And I've got a chance here in the last dance, right? kind of like Jordan and that crew did with those fans as well, to totally turn on the GM, Krause, and the rest of the organization and... You know, kind of like Jordan loved Phil, Aaron loves Nathaniel Hackett, and is he going to try to do some PR with the fans rather than burn it down to the ground? I, I think like here, as we are used to off-season Russ, I think that the people of Green Bay are so used to drama queen quarterbacks. That they're True. <laughs> True. I think I think Aaron's lost the support of the fans there in Green Bay. Really, I I, I, I think like seventy five percent of the fans are on the side of the franchise. I, I I do, and and I think feel that okay, you're gonna get your way out of here, and then we're gonna boo you. We're not gonna we're not gonna feel the same mm. about you. I I don't I don't think I don't think the majority of fans are gonna feel that the franchise goofed this. The Green Bay Sports Radio, and I think Fox and all the television partners will love it. Great. Yeah. Oh awesome. yeah. Sure. Let's go question number three we touched on this yesterday we know what's going to happen with jamal adams eventually it sounds like he will be at training camp for the start of things but a contract even though it is apparently a long ways away there is a belief that there will be a contract that makes jamal adams very highly paid so it's got us wondering brock about the other two guys who have in a more quiet fashion than Aaron Rodgers obviously have mm-hmm. expressed questions about their future here that's tackled Dwayne Brown that's safety Quandre Diggs should Seattle extend both of them one of them neither of them how would you play it if you're John Schneider in the front office with those two 
Yeah, I absolutely do all I can to extend Dwayne Brown. I think you've seen with Andrew Whitworth in this system that you have to have that edge monster. You just have to have that guy. And this is a system that benefits older offensive linemen, especially offensive tackles. Andrew Whitworth has proven that. As he's older, he's got even more wear on the tires than Dwayne Brown. I absolutely do all I can to extend him, to add a couple more years onto his deal. And I'm just... I'd, I'd like to process this with you guys, but there is a big part of me that believes that Dwayne Brown's more valuable than Jamal Adams. That that position, that left tackle position, he has quieted it. Think back to the years post-Walter Jones and Russell Okun. Think about those years that you had so many. And if Russell truly wants protection, and you want as a team, and Shane Waldron wants protection, I Jamal Adams is not replaceable. There's nobody on this roster with his skill set. He's a phenomenal player. He deserves to be the highest paid safety. Get it done. Period. End of story. I'm just tired of talking about that. But between Marquise Blair and Quandre Diggs and a few others, who who replaces Dwayne Brown at left tackle? Yeah. And what's the avenue to get there either? Who who is your if something were to happen to Dwayne and he's like, yep. I actually think I got more leverage than Jamal. Like I'll, I made a lot of money, and I'm just gonna, I'll, I'll rest my knee and rest my body and see you maybe week one, and unless you get this deal done, who is your left tackle? Not Stone Forsythe, I would imagine, but that might be the who guy is it, you have Danny? to throw in there. It's probably Jamarco Jones, right? Like that's probably the guy that steps in there. I mean, last think time we about saw him, that. He was, he was, he was giving up, yeah, giving up four sacks to Chandler Jones. <laughs> Correct. Nice. Correct. So just, you know, we love to do this most irreplaceable. Like, just on your roster, as you put your board together and you look at all of it, you got a player of Dwayne Brown. He's a top five left tackle in this league, bar none, no debate about it. This is a system, Paul, that I know whenever I say this, it excites you. It's a system that's built to make the offensive line job easier. Right? This is a league today where you don't pound guys, where Pete takes care of his guys, where Dwayne Brown, I think, has felt better over the course of the last couple seasons that he did five years prior in Houston. So, to me, Dwayne Brown is off the charts, priority. Make that big man happy. Get that deal done because there's few on this roster that are more irreplaceable than he is. Brock, we always love talking to you. I will, I will leave you with this report from Jacina Anderson, which was posted seven minutes ago. One source's opinion this morning on the Jamal Adams Seahawks contract situation, quote, We are hopeful that the contract will get done soon. He's in town. A lot was given up to get him. I feel there is love on both sides. We'll see. End quote. Physicals this AM followed by a team meeting. In the overall scale of 1 to 10, 1 being I don't ever expect to see him sign a contract or play another down in Seattle. 10 being this is a layup. I would say this contract's like at about an 8. Yeah. Of the the likelihood and timing it's going to get done. Yep. I do like his side saying and reminding everybody, hey, remember how much you gave up for me? But that's You already past. made this decision. You Correct. already made this decision. Yes, and the only thing left on it is next year's first rounder. Right? You gave up the first and third, and, and next year you get the fourth back. And, yeah, you, the only thing still left on that hook that you gave up is next year's first rounder. And about $40 million guaranteed. True. Let's go. Brock, be a fun week, boys. Keep it rolling, look- Mariners. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Sounds great. See you guys. That is Brock here. We hear from him every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday on on Blue 42. Should we do a side-by-side comparison? We played both calls of the Grand Slam. Should we put it to the people 
which call they prefer. 710-710 is the Mac and Jack's text line. Should, should we play him back-to-back? Yes. That, that home run was... There are sometimes a ball gets out of the park and you're like, whoa, that was hit harder than I thought or it went farther. Or you're like, oh, it barely got out. I didn't expect it to get out. And then there's a home run like Dylan Moore's, which is from the moment it leaves the bat, from the moment it leaves the bat, you know that it is crushed. And that was one of those. As soon as he hit it, it was... It, it wasn't so far down the line. It wasn't pulled so hard that you wondered if it was going to stay fair. It was just a no doubt about it. Let's start. Let's start. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna give, we're gonna give Rick Riz. We're going to have him on deck with the, with the radio call. We're going to start with Aaron Goldsmith. Here's the call on Root Sports last night. Bases loaded, two outs. There, let's get into some nuances here because you hear Blowers in the background. As soon as it's hit, he just goes, wow. Yep, which I think adds a lot more to it. I did not hear that the first time around. And then you get the voice crack, right? Yes. Like the, 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 the patented Goldsmith voice crack after after it's gone, when he's rising to the moment, and, and that is, it's, it's your indicator, right? Like something extraordinary has happened, Goldsmith's voice has cracked. The voice crack adds something to it, and I know some people don't like hearing the voice crack from a broadcast. Oh, I love the voice crack. I love it, too. I think it makes the guy sound human and like he is emotionally engaged in what he is watching. And then after that, Danny, he let it breathe. We hear it all those people at T-Mobile Park, and that is important. And it's something that you get on TV more than you get on the radio, but you are taught in this industry, if you're calling games, let the crowd have the moment, let the moment turn into something that is not needed to be described you just got to watch it sit back and hey it's sports classic okay okay let's let's hear that again just for fully like we've we've kind of outlined what the the nuances of it let's let's take it again here is the call from root sports aaron goldsmith and mike blowers bases loaded two outs I just like Mike Blowers pulling an Owen Wilson. Wow. <laughs> it's so good. It's great. I, I love the two of them. I think they're really funny. The way that they tease each other, Goldsmith about his paddleboard, the stand-up paddleboard, saying, hey, I could ride my, take my paddleboard through that, and Blowers saying he'd love to see. I, I love that tandem. All right, let's go over to the radio side. Now, this is a more classic, more classic approach. Rick Riz, it's an homage to the 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 godfather of Mariners baseball in Dave Niehaus. But here is Rick Riz calling that same moment, the two out grand slam by Dylan Moore in last night's comeback victory. Now the left-handers one, one pitch to Dylan swing it a well hit ball deep to left field. Grandma get out the right bread and mustard grand salami time. Upper deck left field down the line. Dylan Moore with a grand salami, and the Mariners lead the Astros 11-8 in one of the greatest comebacks I've seen in a long, long time. Adding the context of the comeback afterwards, I like it. Yep. 
obviously the knee house callback is amazing. It it is the thing, and this isn't on Reyes. You don't get the back crack, and that's that's about technology. It's not about the announcer, right? Like that's that's about the mics at Root Sports. It's about the the. So I don't I don't want to, but the back crack is missing because that crack was it was an explosion. You also you also hear like Riz kind of takes you on a little bit of a journey. It's up and then it comes down again and then he revs it up again. Like there's 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 a little bit more. Whereas it was just a big curve with with Goldsmith and Blowers. There's the moment. There's the explosion. There's the voice crack. Then there's the crowd, and then we come back. That was amazing. Riz gives you a little bit more of a journey. He does. I'm not gonna lie. I think it's because I'm hungry this morning too. But I, I would love. Uh... Grand salami, a little mustard on top of it. Sounds, sounds salami amazing. cured cured meats at eight twenty a.m. Are you out of your mind? Listen, I'm I'm weird, man. We all know that I don't exactly have the best food takes. In fairness, let's go. Let's give let's give Rick Riz a second run through. We've talked about okay. his call, and then we'll ask for the votes from the text line. Here is Rick Riz, seven ten ESPN Seattle on the Mariners flagship station. Now the left-handers, 1-1 pitch to Dillon. Swing and a well-hit ball, deep to left field. Grandma, get out the right bread and mustard. Grand salami time. Upper deck, left field, down the line. Dillon Moore with a grand salami. And the Mariners lead the Astros 11-8 in one of the greatest comebacks I've seen in a long, long time. Text in your vote. Which of the two calls of last night's Grand Slam do you like most? 710-710. It is the Mac and Jack's text line. It's Danny and Gallant. The Mariners are nine games above five hundred. They have one of the most emotional comebacks in a game in which, hey, they're making an audition for trade deadline acquisitions. There's some anger at the end. It had a little bit of everything. And they they didn't get into the fight that I wanted to see them. They might have done something better, though. We'll talk about that next. You are listening to Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Really here, one-two pitch is crushed and deep, and that's a slam. Upper deck, grand slam, Dylan Moore. Injected into my veins! <laughs> that's right. You know what? You know what, Riz? Riz and Goldsmith were awesome. But the best call of that Grand Slam is who is the Houston play-by-play? That's Todd Callis, the son of Harry Callis. Let's let's hear that again. The overwhelming enthusiasm. Like the the moment that you hear you can tell how impressive what he's just seen is. Here is the Astros play-by-play call of Dylan Moore's go ahead Grand Slam. Really here, one two pitch is crushed and deep <laughs> and that's a slam. Upper deck. Grand slam, <laughs> Dylan Moore. O2 pitch is crushed, and I just lost my mortgage. I don't know if I'm ever going to be on the air again, and Castellanos just clobbered a home run. Again. <laughs> he sounds like that Reds broadcaster who is in the midst of the, talking about the end of his career. That's right, and then, and then Castellanos, Nick Castellanos, home run, <laughs> yeah. Homer's in the middle of it. And he says, ah. 
That was same energy. Same energy that he had. Oh, that's delicious. That is a great idea. Paul did, Paul had the idea to uh, grab that. Uh, assist oh. from the text line. Good job, Mac and Jacksburg and company text line. Oh, that's that's hilarious because it it's just one of those home runs. It's not it's not a oh my gosh, he did it. It was oh, oh. <laughs> he could he couldn't have possibly hit it any harder. I just destroyed that pitch, and then he points to the dugout. As impressive as that home run was, I enjoyed what happened in the next with the next batter. Enjoyed's probably the wrong word because you don't want to see somebody get hit like J.P. Crawford did. But how mad the Mariners got when you watch the replay of it, the, the sequence of the at bat goes: J.P. Crawford takes a pitch inside, he then swings and takes a huge hack at a breaking ball that he misses. He's then busted inside on two straight pitches. Clearly, clearly Rayleigh's trying to get him off the plate or didn't like how comfortable he looked. And then he hits him in the back. And his helmet goes flying. It looked like it hit hit J.P. Crawford in the shoulder. The home plate umpire's reaction, he is immediately going over to the Mariners' dugout. And I think it's because service was either looking like he was going to come out of the dugout or was just screaming at the at, at the at the pitcher at the Astros pitcher Rayleigh for what he did I loved how fired up the Mariners got I did too I got fired up Danny I got fired up I wanted to walk out there I mean you're going after JP of all people on this team you're going after that guy not just once not just twice but three times in the same at bat and I'm curious as to what happens today and by the way you can go to tonight's game ten dollar tickets available for the Mariners tonight and honestly I feel like we're going to need you there I I want a bloodthirsty crowd out there because I think something's going to happen tonight I mean, right? Do you, if you're the Mariners, do you have to retaliate in some way tonight, or do you no. pl- do you try to play the bigger guy? Because honestly, I feel like I feel like this is a series where the testosterone is going to pour out a lot more in these next two games, especially with the way that this last one went. Because I imagine the Mariners are going to be a little chirpy, and honestly, for good reason. And I bet the Astros are going to probably feel like, whoa, whoa, what are you guys doing? We're the Astros. You don't do that. They've already done that, though, right? This was the bully got punched in the mouth yesterday. The bully, the team that is has been the best team in this division. Yeah, Oakland won the division last year, but the Astros were the ones who got to the league championship series. The, the bully got punched in the mouth yesterday, and the bully reacted with a cheap shot. The bully reacted by being a little snit. Is is the question of sort of retribution of that? This isn't the the time for that. Like usually, usually when these things happen, when it's regulated. It's not at a moment. The most important thing for the Mariners tonight is to win this game. Yeah. That, that's that's the most important thing. All of the others, that score settling, or if there's a, really a feeling like that, that can be taken care of down the road. The most important thing is, is to win the game tonight. Depending on how things go, you might. But really, the most important thing, and usually that's that's how baseball sort of grievances build up, is that you've you've got an objection in your back pocket to the Astros. You owe them one for for what they did. And I think more importantly was the Mariners took the Astros' best punch. They took six runs before they had a single swing of the bat. The, the bat. The Mariners were down 6-0. They were starting Darren McCacken, his first major league start, his second major league appearance, and it went terribly for him. He got a couple. It was an infield hit off his glove. It was a walk, and then things got away from him. The Mariners took their best shot, and then they dug in. They kept walloping their way back. They took a lead. Then they took a cheap shot. Afterward, let's let's hear what J.P. Crawford had to say because 
usually it's not how the player who's hit that responds that's most important. It's how he feels his team responded. And specifically, JP talked about Scott Service. Oh, yeah, that was cool. That fired me up a little bit. Um, that just shows you what time, what type of team we have this year. We have each other's backs. And to have a winning, successful team, we got to have that. we got to have each, each person fighting for one another. And that's what you saw. And now I look at not just this game last night, Danny, but I also just look at really the last couple of years when it comes to these two teams because it has been just dramatically one-sided. And I, I think for some of the guys who have been here for a while – Kyle Seeger, Mitch Haniger. Great point. The, the Astros have owned the Mariners for the last two years. You needed a moment like this, I think, to remind you that they are mortal, even if they are a juggernaut of a lineup. And they are. I mean, one through nine, that is an unbelievable lineup. And we're not talking just Correa and Altuve and, and some of the others. It's, it's a loaded lineup. And they are going to challenge you every single time that you're out there. But sometimes you need a reminder that you can do this against any team. And, I mean, you do it against this team and that offense, and your bullpen holds them off as well as they did. I mean, there are so many, Danny, unsung heroes, I think, from tonight's game, not even talking about Cal Raleigh's three-run double and Kyle Seeger's three-run home run. I mean, you got Shed Long, who's making a couple of clutch hits in big-time moments, the two-out RBI single that he had. Uh, let's talk about the bullpen. Eric Swanson? Retire six of seven over two innings. Paul Seawald, Kendall Graben doing what you expect them to do. This was all together. And then, of course, the guy who's making it happen, the first guy to show up to the party, J.P. Crawford. Because he gets hits in his first three at-bats of the game. And he's the one guy that I feel like was the catalyst for everybody else to make things happen afterwards. He ended what had been a pretty significant slump. Right. In Sunday's game. Broken 0 for 21 slump in the final game against the A's. And he went out, he had three hits in his first three games, hitting the ball to all fields. You're, you're seeing that again. You might be too young to remember this heavyweight fight, but there was a Christmas Eve in which Yvonne Drago boxed Rocky Balboa. Oh, wow. Yeah, the you're God going way back. You know what? I actually, go- did, I actually did see this. I wasn't alive yet, but I did see this. The godless communists required that the <laughs> bout happen at the Kremlin on Christmas Eve. Oh, disgusting. Yeah, because they're, because they're godless communists, they so they don't, care about, they don't care about Christ's birth of that holiday. <laughs> and Rocky is going up against a muscle-bound freak who we know is, is artificially enhanced. Oh, yeah, there's a reason. I mean, he definitely would be playing for the Russian Olympic Committee, <laughs> not for Russia. And for the first four or five rounds of that fight, Rocky Balboa is Darren McCackett. He is getting bludgeoned all across the ring. You wonder if it's not just going to be a loss, but if it's going to be a fatality. If he's going to follow the same role as his good friend, Apollo Creed. And then what happens? Rocky starts fighting back. And then there's a point where the big Russian is cut. The big Russian is cut. The Astros are cut. The Astros are bleeding. The Mariners opened up a cut on the Astros last night. We found out they were mortal. We tasted their blood. Let's go. I love that. Uh, some would argue it's not quite historical, but I feel like it is canon in the birth of our country. This is Rocky one of the, ended the Cold War. He did. It's one of the seminal moments. No one ever talks about it. Sports ended the Cold War. Uh, an- another text. This is a good one. Um, to Paul's point, could last night have been the Mariners' 2012 Seahawks comeback beating the Patriots? And Sherman saying after the game about Tom Brady, he's just a man. It takes a team. I remember watching that neutral and thinking, whoa, who are these guys? Who the heck are these guys? 
with what they were able to do in that game. So maybe it is. And, and I mean, that was a heck of a comeback. I, I still think about how awesome Russ was at the end of that one. It is Danny and Gallant. We will keep going through this unforgettable Mariners game. Your Seattle Mariners are nine games above 500. They beat the Astros, climbing out of a seven-run deficit, second-largest deficit over the past eight or nine years that that the Mariners have played. Uh, We'll talk more about the comeback and what to make of it going forward next. Really here, one-two pitch is crushed (laughs) and deep, and that's a slam. Upper deck, grand slam, Dylan Moore. You're listening to Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. You know, we, we, you go through seasons and you have big wing wins and come from behind wins. And I go back a few years ago, we were down, I don't know, 10 runs to the Padres that one night. We came back, but this is special. You're, on, you're at home. Uh, you're in a situation where we're at and kind of in the standings fighting for something against a really, you know, uh, the first place team. So this one's pretty darn special. That is Mariners manager Scott Service after last night's improbable 11-8 victory over the Houston Astros where Seattle found themselves down 7 nothing early on in that game. But they dramatically came back. It's a Cal Raleigh three-run double. It's a Kyle Seeger three-run home run. It's a shed-long single to drive home a run. And then it's a grand slam by Dylan Moore that could have probably gone into outer space. It was on a laser trajectory, Danny. I, I don't know how much further it would have gone if not for the uh, top deck of left field. But it felt like it could have gone a lot further than it actually went. It's hard to put it in that upper deck. Yeah. I mean, nobody's hit the ball out of the stadium yet. Judge and Zanino have come closest, and that was it. It was crushed. I I don't think he could have hit it any harder. I don't either. Maybe a little more lift on it gets out of the ballpark, but it's as close as you're going to get. I think that's as I think that's as hard and as far as Dylan Moore is going to hit that ball. I I, I thought that he, everything just lined up, and as soon as it hit the bat, you knew it was gone. It was crushed. Like that was that. It, that was that was awesome, and then the reaction that it spawned, and just the significance of it. It's two outs. It's the bottom of the eighth. You felt that the Mariners really showed. They'd already showed grit and fortitude, right? McCacken last in three innings after that awful first. Cal Raleigh hitting a bases loaded double in which he he hit it so hard it gets to the wall. And then Dusty Baker comes out and whines about, oh, the ball was stuck underneath the padding. No, it wasn't. I hate no, that. No, it wasn't. I hate no, that. No, it wasn't. Get the ball. Like that shouldn't be a rule, by the way. Oh, it got underneath the it got underneath the fence. I'm going to hold up my hands. How about get the ball and play the sport? Like, oh wow, it's so hard to get out. What? You're not going to be able. Do you need a crowbar to get it out? Like I've never understood that uh, either team if that happened to them. Anywho. They've they've already they'd already gotten to the point where you had your silver lining to a tough game. You had your silver lining to it, and then it became a signature moment. It 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 was awesome. You hit the bully in the mouth, like you you really did. The team that has owned you, the team that has run this division. Any question about okay, how far along are the Mariners? Like you you you've seen that team's backbone. You've seen that team's toughness. Now we're more than a hundred games into the season, and and that. That that should be a signature moment for what everybody thinks about this team. Every time, Danny, that we've heard J.P. Crawford speak this season, he seemed a little bit cooler. I loved hearing Crawford talk about his experience as he waited in the on-deck circle watching Dylan Moore's Grand Slam. It was chaos everywhere. I blacked out. I was screaming on deck. I turned around and just yelled to the brick fence wall thing we have right there. You know, it was cool. 
oh my goodness moments like that you just dream of when you're a little kid in the batting cages or something and it's to finally do it on the big stage demo's bad man plain and simple you a bad man he was a bad man and he's been heating up a little bit of late and that's been good to see because they're gonna need more he's been he's hit lefties fairly well like he's 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 had trouble against right-handers he's hit lefties at an acceptable rate my favorite reaction is Terence. I don't know if you saw Terence. Terence stood on the dugout rail. Like he jumped up and he is standing with both arms extended on the dugout rail and then he jumps off like a superhero leap where he comes down and like lands on both feet on the on, on the the warning track there that's in front of the dugout, the dirt that's right there. It was it was just what you get a couple of those moments each year in a baseball season. It's it's one of, and the fact that it occurred in this moment at that time just makes it even more special. That that's a really huge win, and it happened in about the most dramatic way possible. Right, and it's a team victory. And you know, to go back to the sequence leading up to that, and some some of just the moments that you needed for more to even have that opportunity for the grand slam. How about we take a look at the two at bats before? I mean, Jared Kelnick, he gets three balls in a row, but all of a sudden, swinging strike. Strike looking, foul ball. Yeah. Loved seeing him take that huge cut. And then the next pitch was about as good a pitch as a pitcher can make. Yeah. And that's that's still right the off big the corner throw right there. That it was a it was a great pitch. And he fouled off the next one and then he and then he takes the ball. And that but that was a close one. I mean that that was by the corner. And Kelnick that's a big at bat for Kelnick. He did not do well the rest of the night. Three strikeouts, but that was big. And then right after that, Tom Murphy, swinging strike, strike looking, fouls one off, takes four balls in a row. And yep. you needed both of those at-bats, both of those walks, those patient approach. The thing that we have seen consistently all season long from this team, they have a good eye. They strike out a lot, that's for sure, but they seem to have a very good idea of where the strike zone is. And that at-bat does not happen if not for those two at-bats right before Kelnick and Tom Murphy walking. This team is going to strike out a ton. They strike out, they strike out more frequently than any other team in the league. But the other side of that... They're also not going to give in. They're also not. They swing and miss an awful lot, but they make pitchers work. Yeah, they really do. They don't give away at bats. They get their hacks, and the fact that they're still able to draw the walks there—it's the difference between having a young, having young hitters who are still trying to find their way, and having a free swinging team that doesn't care about plate discipline. They strike out a lot, but they're not undisciplined about it. I think, by and large, they swing at the right pitches. They swing it at, at, at times. It's just a matter of they need to get better and more experience, and that's not shocking with a young team. Hopefully, they're not going to strike out this much because they do. They strike out a ton, but they don't give in. No. They don't. They really, they really do make opponents work for it, and that last night it gave Dylan Moore a chance. It gave him a chance as a pinch hitter coming into the game for Jake Bowers. It gave him a chance as a p- pinch hitter to be a hero, which is exactly what he was. The Astros starter, Luis Garcia, who might be a Rookie of the Year candidate, that guy's got some stuff, and he's got a wonky delivery. But, I mean, look, as you mentioned, you're striking him out left and right, nine strikeouts, but they hung with him. And, uh, you know, big moment for Cal Raleigh. I wonder what kind of confidence this inspires for him, the three-run double to start this entire rally, and then Kyle Seager, of course, with the three-run homer later. You're right, the patience that they have, it wears down a pitcher like Luis Garcia, who is 
good. I mean, he's he might be might be one of the Astros' best pitchers this season, if not the. And that was huge to see him able to do that. I think there's one thing though we can agree on as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline, Danny. And I'm not 100 percent sure what the Mariners do in this spot, but as the trade deadline gets closer, it's very clear after a game like last night they need another starting pitcher, right? I mean, is, is, if if anything else, I, I would like to see them add someone. To the lineup, and, and there are some rumors uh, per John Morosi this morning that maybe Trey Turner from Washington, who is selling everybody, it seems like, maybe he is somebody that could be on the minds of the Seattle Mariners. But a starting pitcher is is something that they need to, I think, take a look at. And uh, some of the names available, I mean, Marquez, who we both would like, Kyle Gibson in Texas, uh, Braves lefty Drew Smiley. I don't know if they'd go after another lefty. Um, Michael Pineda from the Twins is apparently available. Um, Max Scherzer, uh, another Washington National, and Madison Bumgarner. Those are some of the names that I have at the very least seen linked to trade rumors. There's The guys that I'm not interested in are the rentals. The guys that I'm not interested in, Danny Duffy from uh, the, the Royals, who's going to be a free agent after this year, that's not the route to go. Kyle Gibson is a very interesting possibility. I think he's going to be fairly highly coveted. Marquez, I think, is the best out of all of them, and he's good enough that it's not even a slam dunk. The Rockies have made noise about about keeping him. I still remain dubious of that. People are going to throw out like Madison Bumgarner. Stay the heck away from a guy like Madison Bumgarner. He's got so much money that's still owed to him down the road. You do not want you do not want to take on a declining pitcher to help in this run. But there are other. Kyle Gibson is someone who would be who would be very interesting. Smiley, I. Smiley might make a ton of sense. I'm not interested in him because of how disastrous it was before. Like they traded for, they've already traded for him once and he never threw a pitch for him in the regular season. He pitched in the World Baseball Classic, like looked great, all of a sudden had this extra velocity and then he had a soggy arm and then he was going to get Tommy Johns like that. So I'm a little sour. Smiley makes sense. I'm just irrationally bitter about that, so I'm leery of him because Smiley, Smiley could make a great deal of sense. He is Danny O'Neill. I'm Paul Gallant. It's Danny and Gallant. Whatever the Mariners do at the trade deadline, let's revel in this moment. And by the way, $10 tickets available for tonight's game against the Astros. So you want to go out there? You want to bang some trash cans? You want to dress up like Oscar the Grouch and cause a conniption from Houston social media because they can't take the fact that people think that they cheated? They can't take it? You get to do that tonight. It's Danny and Gallant, 710 ESPN Seattle. Let's keep, let's keep you know, reveling in the glory. Come on now. Stick around.